This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and today in this episode, we are looking at gearing up for these spiritual opportunities of Christmas. We're looking at how do we help our children when they're being Christ-like and are rejected for it at school. Uh, we're having one of my colleagues called Becky. She is uh, talking to us about a powerful reminder of what God has for children in her reflections on a recent trip she took to Uganda and North and South Sudan. And as always, we will end with an interesting question to start an interesting conversation with your family. Uh, but before we begin, I just want to say a quick note. Uh, we are always trying to improve the podcast. We've been running about a year now. And so our team at BRF wanted to trial a three-month season of running the podcast every other week rather than every week to see how that works. We like pioneering. We like trying stuff. We like listening to feedback. And we'd love your feedback on how it's working for you now. Anything you particularly appreciate about the podcast that you want us to keep doing and your wisdom advice on what we could do to improve. Um, we just wanted to let you know that we're going to try something different. So you don't think, are they okay? It's only happening like once every other week. <gasps> Is this something bad happened? Nope. It's just, it's on purpose. It's an experiment and let us know how you like it. So moving on. I'm not allowed. They keep telling me that I'm not allowed to sing actual songs because you're not allowed to do that with copyright. So it's really hard for me because it's it's Christmas, guys. <laughs> I'm so excited. I love Christmas. And uh, and to not sing a Christmas song in this moment, uh, let's just all acknowledge and applaud my self-control because I am a Christmas freak. I decorate so much. Uh, I only play uh, Christmas music like every other kind of music is banned. Only Christmas music. Uh, I go look at Christmas lights, I own over 40 Christmas movies, and I watch as many as possible. I have eggnog and hot mold apple juice on tap. I wear Christmas hats nonstop. I have a Christmas tree in my lounge, in my office, and even my kid gets one in his room. I love Christmas. And every year, all of us parents, particularly those who are interested in how to help our kids meet and know God, can be surrounded by the endless spiritual opportunities that emerge to engage and embrace the spiritual focus of Christmas. Uh, Christmas begins and all of the social media lights up with advent calendars and uh, devotionals and opportunities of how to help your kid really embrace the spiritual significance of Christmas, Advent's exploration of God's plans to be with us, and Christmas services. I mean, churches run endless Christmas services uh, to help all different ways of connection, books to read to your children, ways of connecting with God. We can want to make sure we as parents are jumping on board and using all the Christmas opportunities to help our kids connect. And I think that's great. I think Christmas can be a significant spiritual time fantastic opportunities to wonder together. On our Facebook page, I'm sure we'll be adding ideas and encouraging you and how to do them. But I just wanted to say, as we're facing the Christmas season, feel free to not. Feel free to not do any of that. 
There is no Christmas should. There is no one right way to do Christmas. Because you know what? You may be having a rough year and barely have money or time to engage with Christmas and all the spiritual implications of it. You may have a family whose shape makes a season of noise and sensory overload a tough, hard slog. You may have children in your home who struggle with the memories and implications of a family Christmas. You may be suffering loss or grief or just extreme exhaustion and sleep deprivation. And to you, I just want to say, it's okay. What makes an excellent spiritual parent is someone who proactively walks alongside their children and helps them meet and know God. Someone who authentically lets their children see into their lives and helps their children connect with God in their own lives. You don't have to do a Jesse tree or go to every Christmas service going. You don't have to cover the nativity and do a daily devotional countdown. Feel free to be you in this season. Meet with God. Have conversations. Surf those waves of your children's lives, whatever those look like. It's okay for Christmas to look like how it looks for you this year. Because if God is in the ordinary, boring bits of life, then he is right there with you, whatever your Christmas season looks like. And you can help your kids find him there. So whether you are wanting to embrace it all or not, I want you to know that you can feel confident to have your unique Christmas. The whole point of Jesus coming was to be with us in our circumstances, with the capabilities we have right now, and be God himself with us. So have a happy Christmas. And sing lots of songs. And if you have a Christmas hat, wear it. The question today is from a listener. We so love getting your questions, and I I just really appreciate it. And this question came in during a recent Facebook Live we were doing. Uh, We do a Facebook Live once a month on the 10th Monday. So if it's a Monday and the date ends in a 10th, like 13th, 18th, uh, then more than likely we're doing a Facebook Live and we hit different topics every week. And uh, this parent was listening and asked this question and I didn't get around to answering it on the Facebook Live night. So I wanted to answer it here. Um, But please send in your questions. We love responding to them. And this question is this. We were talking about navigating friendship drama, uh, which can be the bane of all of our lives in parenting our children. And she asked this question. How do I help my Christian nine-year-old daughter when she tries to be Jesus-like at school, but then feels so hurt when her friends push her away for it? She was trying to include a girl who was left out, but then she was pushed out herself for welcoming this girl in. It breaks my heart to hear her get so upset for trying to do the right thing. Oh, I love, first of all, I want to say this does happen, and it can feel awful. Um, Whether you're nine or whether you're 45, there are moments where we um, follow what God is saying and live a life of compassion and kindness that other peoples reject us for. And that is tough, whether you're 45 or whether you're nine. But I just wanted to pause for a moment and say, what a great kid! I love how brave and kind and risk risky she was 
to let her heart be moved by compassion and do something about it, uh, even though um, that was a risk for her and that risk cost her. I just wanted to pause and applaud your daughter and say I admire her and respect her for that and I am blessed that she exists and she makes those choices. So first of all, yay her. Uh, How do we help her in that? Because it is a heartbreaking, uh, heartbreak, all friendship uh, breaks can be hard, but particularly when um, when it's for something particular like this. And so I, I just, I guess to give you some, some next steps is one, praise the character she showed. I mean, she, um, she demonstrated something so wonderful and it can be so helpful even in her grief to let her see your shining eyes and say, I so admire, um, not just that you're proud of her, but of specifically what you admire about her. You admire her determination. You admire her taking a risk. You admire her paying a cost so that someone who is lost and lonely can not feel lost and lonely anymore. That is incredibly powerful. And you so admire her doing that. And you're so um, filled with joy that she exists and, um, it's just wonderful. And so praise the character that she showed, uh, because it's not just her choices that are, are impressive. It is the heart that God is cultivating in her and how wonderful that is. Uh, the second thing I would suggest is that you um, frame it for her. In Parenting for Faith, we often talk about framing as a tool, which basically is saying this is what you're looking at. And and there's lots to frame for her so that she knows what she's looking at. Because right now, often what happens is their frame is very small. Um, my friends uh, push me away because they don't like me or they don't like my choice. And that is very stark. But there's so much more that, that you can help her see in this situation. You can help her see um, how helping people can be hard. It it can be hard for everyone, but look at what she actually did. She welcomed someone who needed to be loved and seen. She rescued them from feeling lonely and afraid and um, pushed out and feeling small. She rescued them. The impact on that person's life was huge, but it did cost. And sometimes doing the right thing costs, but the benefits are massive. Um, I know she lost the friendship of people who seemed to be okay with leaving people on the outside, but she brought love and joy and friendship in. Uh, Another thing you can frame for her is that her heart and God's heart were beating together. When she was welcoming in someone on the outside, she was actually being the very image of God. And that's where God is. Um, God says he is close to the brokenhearted. He says he puts Uh, He puts the lonely in families and she was doing exactly what God was doing at that moment. She wasn't alone. She was following what the father was doing, just like Jesus. And that is so exciting. Jesus came to rescue us and it cost him his life. But because he chose to do that, we can all be together with God forever because of it. Paul spoke God's truth to people and it put him in prison. But also people thousands of years later can be encouraged by God's words. Sometimes the most powerful, important things we can do cost us something, and that is painful, but the impact is massive. When you help her see that, then you can help her see that the cost isn't small and that her emotions are are very real, and that's okay, 
but she is doing something significant. You can help her see um, what's actually at work in this scenario. Uh, and that really helps kids because they can feel them purposeful rather than as the victim of, uh, of something bad that happened to them. She actually was walking purposefully into something and, uh, and it was fruitful and purposeful. Uh, the third thing that I would suggest is to walk the pain with, with her. Um, sometimes we want to cheer our kids up and actually it's, it's okay for our kids to feel upset and, and help her with those words so that she can process the feeling because sometimes our kids are just upset and that's the only word they have or sad. And the more that our children can identify the emotions that they have, the more they can talk to God about it, the more they can talk with you about it. And so sometimes just expanding our kids' vocabulary and understanding of words like lonely, rejected, betrayed, misunderstood, um, disconnected, that, that can help her understand what she's feeling. She's not just feeling sad. She's feeling rejected. She's feeling... Um, disconnected from the people who held her steady. All those words can help her. Um, and let your heart break with her. I love that you say that your heart breaks for her. And um, and your, our kids need to know that. Scripture tells us to weep with those who weep. And it's okay for us to say, oh, I'm, my heart just breaks that you're experiencing this. You know, help her chat to God about it and ask him what he thinks about it and help her catch from God uh, what he is saying and how he saw that circumstance. And uh, if that's something that's new to you, there's a whole bunch on the website, parentingforfaith.org, on chatting and catching and how to facilitate children sort of expressing themselves to God genuinely from their words and to catch God's communications back because uh, God has a lot to say about this. And the fourth thing I would suggest is to create windows into your life of when that happens to you and what you do, because um, we all experience that at times in our life. If we are Christians and, and, and to the extent that we are taking risks, we've, we've all experienced that or experienced that fear. And you can tell your stories of how you cope and how you feel about it and that she isn't alone in that experience, but you and others have experienced that too. And you know what that feels like. I just want to say you got a really special kid there making God, God choices that change lives. And there's so much to be proud of. Uh, I wish my kid went to school with your kid uh, because uh, she seems like a great kid to have around. So I uh, bless you. I, I just like to pray for for your nine-year-old. God, I thank you for this heart that you have given her, that you are developing her to be like you. And God, I pray that you would strengthen her heart and her eyes, that she may see more of the lost and the lonely, that she may be someone who gathers those who need family, that she may beat with your heart. God, I pray that you would send your angels to protect her heart and her mind. Send her your peace that she may know that she is loved by you and send her friends that see her and cherish her for who she is, that she may walk out her purposes in your love every day of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. For our wild cards section, uh, Becky, our colleague who works with local churches, uh, it doesn't just work with local churches. She works with local churches all over. And uh, she uh, is connected, as she'll explain, to some churches in Uganda, North and South Sudan. And uh, she recently went there. And so I asked her to um, record some reflections on it, because I think when we step out of our our little bubble, bubble of culture, whether it's our particular church stream, whether it's uh, even a different service sometimes or a different country, uh, we see things that poke our heart. And I just asked her what, what we 
sparked her and struck her as significant as she's looking at Parenting for Faith uh, and other things. So here's her reflections. Earlier this autumn, I went to Uganda as part of a mission trip from our church. And like lots of Anglican churches, we've got links with dioceses in other parts of the world. And we're linked with two dioceses in South Sudan, Kajikeji and Luolo. And they're right bang at the bottom of South Sudan, a bit like the bottom of Cornwall. And this is my third trip. I first went in 2015. So I've got to know some of the people there really well. And this time we were in Uganda because in 2016, the civil war in South Sudan eventually reached them and they're over the border now as refugees. And so we went to visit them in their communities and particularly in the camps there. And our role as church, as a church, is to to help build up the church in South Sudan and enable them to minister to their people. So that's the background. Um, Some of you may know that South Sudan is the world's most fragile state officially. And actually life there is, is even before the war was tough in terms of poverty, um, entirely dependent on subsistence, farming for a living. Education is difficult to come by, good education, and always involves money. So you haven't got money, you can't be educated. Healthcare is really, really precarious. You could die of a broken leg there. And so we're working with some of the poorest people in the world um, through this link with the with the church there. And as part of that, we have a special interest in enabling the church to continue working. And clergy aren't paid. They eke out a living as a subsistence farmer. And what was happening was because they weren't paid, their kids didn't get to go to school. So we sponsor quite a lot of children to go through education. And part of what we were doing this time uh, on the trip was meeting some of those children, gathering their stories and and sort of looking at the next stages to supporting them. So we went to northern Uganda and the people there are living in mostly in the refugee camps, huge, huge refugee camps, um, very difficult circumstances, limited amount of food, they've got to grow the rest, all the things you imagine. Health is precarious. I'm using the word precarious a lot, but life is precarious there. And all our sponsored children, though, are in good schools and they're making progress. So some of these kids we met, and this is what I want to talk about, really. They've still got a really tough life. They are sponsored, they're on education, but there's no money for extras. Um, when they get to uni, we we'll give them a basic phone and a basic laptop. But if they're away from home, they don't have enough money to travel back except for once a year. You know, even as students, they are living a very poor existence. But oh my goodness, they have an astonishing sense of the purpose of God for their lives. I first realised this two years ago when we visited and we met a girl called Anna. And Anna then was in her last year of university, training to be a nurse. And she looked at me and she said, when I go back to South Sudan, because all these kids are looking to the time when they go back, and rebuild their country. She said, when I go back to South Sudan, I'll only be the second nurse ever in my community. And I'm going to go back and I am going to look after people and help bring health to my community. She had such a sense of purpose because she was going to bring real skill to to a community that just didn't have health care. And 
I was struck, really. I had contact with young people in this country who were training to be nurses. And I just thought, Anna has such a sense of the purpose God had placed on her life. For her, going back to being a nurse would be hugely significant for her and for her community. And I think our young people don't always get that same sense of purpose. And, and this time we met other students. We met Daniel, Daniel Dubé, who is um, studying agriculture. And he talks about when we go back home, when we go back to South Sudan, I'm going to help rebuild my community. I'm going to farm and grow food. I'm going to provide employment for other people. I'm going to provide training for other people to acquire the skills they've never had a chance to, to get. And then there was Silvia, who is training to be a human rights lawyer because she says she wants to go back and right some of the wrongs she saw perpetrated against her own people. So this is God's call on her life is to stand up and advocate for people who are being mistreated to help make the new South Sudan a better place. And Scopas, who was studying IT, talked about his dream to go back home and to build an IT college because so many of his compatriots haven't had the chance to learn skills. He wants to take the skills that he's been allowed to gain to make his community better. He sees the call of God on his life to go back and help train people to build a better South Sudan. And I was just so struck. Their sense of purpose was so strong and it's so powerful. They believe that God has placed this call on their life. It keeps them studying when studying is hard. It gives them hope and a vision for the future. It gives them a real sense of their significance and their place in God's purpose for their nation. And it gives those around them a hope for a better future. And I would love for our young people to have that same direct sense of purpose, of call. And I think it's harder for them because they are in a, in a community where there's lots of nurses, there's lots of teachers, there's lots of lawyers. They aren't unique in their field. But I think my question for me is how can I help the young people I know and love and work with find that sense of call and purpose that God has for them, the unique things he wants them to do, the unique gifts he's given, the unique talents and skills that he has, which means that they will carry his purpose wherever they go and they can change our country, our communities for the better, to be more like the kingdom of God. So that's my reflection on Uganda and I hope it helps. Thank you so much, Becky, for that. I just wanted to follow that up with the thought that we at Parenting for Faith are really passionate about purpose um, within kids' lives. And if, if this is something that is stirring in you and you want to explore purpose and children and how to help them uh, get this deep sense of purpose, uh, I ended up writing a book about it because I was so passionate about it. And so the book is called Parenting Children for a Life of Purpose. Surprise. Uh, and so I think you can still buy it as an individual book. But uh, what we've done recently is put it uh, within an omnibus version. So there's three books in one called the Parenting for Faith Omnibus. And within that 
book there is Parenting Children for Life of Faith, Parenting Children for Life of Purpose, and Parenting Children for Life of Confidence. So if you wanted to know more about that, you could buy the individual Parenting Children for Life of Purpose book, or you could grab that omnibus and sort of have the whole thing all together. But uh, if, if you want to know more about what this might look like for you, uh, you might want to uh, find that book, borrow it from somebody, buy it. Uh, Oh, and we've recorded it in an audiobook, and that should be coming out in the next couple of months, too. So you might want to look out for that. And finally, an interesting question to start a conversation with your kid. It says in the Bible that Jesus had the same temptations that we have. What story of that do you wish was in the Bible so that it could help us figure out how to cope? Have a great week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.